Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello there, modern lovers. Yes, a healthy body is a sexy body, but you know what else is healthy and good for you? And that is your tood, your attitude. And tonight we're going to get the lowdown on how to put wisdom to work in everyday living, and that might have to do with a huge upgrade in your attitude through using proven mindfulness methods, and how about some practical tips to improve your mental wellness. So here at Modern Love, we know that real healing accelerates when you've got the right tools in your toolbox, and we're going to get some great tools tonight. And if you want to be in touch with me, by the way, you can visit me at drbrendaway.com or join me almost the second Saturday of every single month. We have a one-day live intensive training. This upcoming one will be December 9th, and we're going to do Breakthrough to Your Next Level. We have Steve, one of the six trainers who trains with Tony Robbins, as our special live in-person guest. We also have Gwen Mitchell, who is a Oneness Blessing trainer, and Tony Robbins is a huge proponent and participant in the Oneness Blessing movement, and Gwen will be here to share more about Oneness Blessing and to actually give us all Diksha. So if you're interested, hit me back. Love at DocWade.com is the email, D-O-C-W-A-D-E.com. Now let's take our Dr. Brenda question. It says, I'm a 28-year-old woman with no future. I'm the youngest of four daughters. My parents are divorced. My sisters are all married. Mom has no income of her own, so it's me. I realize I'll never be able to have an apartment of my own or live my life because of her. She's controlling and finds ways to make me feel guilty about going out, enjoying myself. I've never had a relationship because she finds a way of sabotaging any relationship I'm in. I think she's bipolar, but she doesn't believe in medication or that it's even real. I feel as if I'm being forced to take care of her. When will I have a chance before it's too late lost in los angeles wow lost i have to take a breath your story is so sad you bring tears to my eyes and let me tell you lost there are there are only two things i can say to you number one you need help number two you need support And I would say run, not walk, to the nearest 
codependent anonymous meeting where you can learn what codependence is, where you sacrifice your life for someone else and then say it's their fault and there's no way out. This is an inside job. And CODA is the place you belong. Get the book Codependent No More. Read uh, A Life Without Codependence. But you have been brainwashed into believing that it's your job to take care of your mom and take the fall while your sisters go on with their lives. And trust me, there is a way out. You'll find tools, spiritual tools, as well as practical tools Spiritual tools are practical, and you'll get support. So get thee to the nearest CODA, Codependence Anonymous meeting. If you don't find one right away, start with Al-Anon. A lot of the same principles there. And you deserve to have a life, and only you can make sure that you get it. Wow. Well, maybe it's good that we have our guest tonight, who is Jeff Hotchkiss, who's an MBA and is a business development consultant and the author of Putting Wisdom to Work, Practical Mindfulness for Maximal Living. I'll bet he's got something he could also say to Lost. And he describes himself as a wisdom warrior. And I love that. That's the first time I've heard wisdom warrior. And possibly even an advocate and a rebel with a cause. And his cause is promoting mindfulness as a path of wellness. He's been an executive with Apple Computer, founder of Olivus Teas, and a publishing entrepreneur. He's got some great strategies for us. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hello. Jeff, are you there? Hi, Dr. Brett. There Hi, we Dr. go. Great to be here. Yes, I guess I was muted there. Sorry about that. That's okay. Well, let's unmute you and unleash you and our audience. So what is it in your life that led you to mindfulness? Well, gosh, you know, it was one of those things that was just always inside of me. I was I was the person that was going to every seminar, reading every book, you know, uh, just a junkie for self-help stuff. And, you know, long before mindfulness was a buzzword in our in our collective consciousness. And so it just was always something I was interested in. And I found myself at a point in time where I, I had a little bit of time on my hands. And I said, you know, there's a book inside of me. I know there's a book inside of me. So I just, I, I dug in. And So for you, you know, a lot of people start on the journey of spiritual growth and mindfulness. And I love it, as you said, mindfulness is a word that's out there in consciousness. I can remember doing a week as uh, in my role as the psychology um, correspondent on Good Morning America, and I did a whole week with Anna Wintour, the famous devil who wears Prada for Vogue magazine, and we did a week called Looking Good and Feeling Good. And I literally could not say the word meditation or mindfulness on the air. So I called it stress reduction. But what I was actually teaching was meditation and mindfulness. So I'm thrilled we can say mindfulness, meditation, and nobody's necessarily going to flinch or cringe. And even when I speak a lot in in various churches, some of them uh, conservative churches, And when I say meditation, I see people sort of tighten up, and I remind them that there are passages in the Bible 
of Jesus going out into the wilderness to meditate and pray 40 days and 40 nights. So it's out there. Mm. Now, for you, are you one of the people? I'm one, so I'm going to confess up front. I found my way to spiritual growth because I was deeply unhappy and troubled because of things that went on in my early life, in my childhood. Was that part of what brought you to mindfulness, or you just sort of came across it one day and it interested you? Yeah, no, no, no real complaints. My parents did the best job they could with what they had to work with, and they did a fine, you know, exposed me to lots of good stuff. No, I had a, a childhood was not a problem. It's just, um, I guess I've just always been fascinated with the mind and, and what what's possible and um, just curious. I'm a curious soul. Good. So what was your first entry point into mindfulness? That is so funny. I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but I had a girlfriend once give me the um, the Hugh Prather book, Notes to Myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the first first real book that I had. And, and I think right about that same time, I came across the Shakti Gwain book, Creative Visualization. Yes, yes. Those are starting points for a lot of us. For people who don't know the Notes to Yourself book or Shakti's book, give them a little little tip on what that's all about, would you? Sure. Well, I'll start with Shakti's book because that really was hugely influential. She just really put a, a small book together, 100 pages or less, called Creative Visualization, and it, and it detailed how we're able to create our reality by shaping our thoughts. And that's about as simple as I could put it. And um, so that's that's been very, very influential. And then you Prather's book, very different kind of a book, but he basically made little scraps of notes into into a book that he had, and it just showed his observations on life, which I think, looking back on it, reminds me of what Taoism is and the Tao Te Ching. I think that, you know, the power of the mind along with having a good thought system like the Tao Te Ching um, is a great combination. So those two books have really been influential for me. And again, for those who don't know the Tao Te Ching, what is that? Well, the Tao Te Ching is a fascinating book, I guess you would say. It's 84 little paragraphs um, written in 5000 B.C. by a fellow named Lao Tzu. And it's just a manual on how to live effectively and easily and effortlessly and with joy and uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a life manual, and it's just it's so succinct. It's it's by far the most succinct and clear guidance I've ever read. I carry a copy with me all, at all times. Beautiful, beautiful. So you can give us a quote from Tao Te Ching to give people a little taste of what it's all about. Yeah, I might be able to do that. Let's see here. I say I have it at all times, and of course I don't have it right here. But let's see here. That's I gotta, okay. <laughs> no, I've got it. I've got it close by. It didn't take long. So let's just pick a random one. I would love to have had time to um, look through this. But okay, but number thirty-three: knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. That That's gives you an idea. beautiful. Yeah, read that again because mm-hmm. there's a lot in that. Everybody, listen carefully. Listen carefully because these are words to live by. Go ahead, Jeff. Knowing others. Yeah, sure. Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. Now, there's just a couple more lines. Let me finish it up here. If you realize that you have enough, 
you are truly rich. If you stay in the center and embrace death with your whole heart, you will endure forever. So, anyway, this Those is the Stephen Mitchell. Those are to live by. Yeah, getting yes. into this place where we can make these profound distinctions between strength and power, between intelligence and wisdom. You know, Einstein, this is one of my favorites, Einstein said that the head without the heart can be cruel. The heart without the head might be too soft. We need to put them together. And many, many teachers say when head and heart work together, we get wisdom. So on this path, you know, if we, all of us at this moment, think to ourselves, what if we had more true wisdom, true power that was active in the world today, active in the U.S. today, active in all of our lives, what might be different? What might be possible for us as human beings? And I always say with the couples that I work with in our trainings and single people looking for love, I always say if you had your heart engaged and active, and wisdom is one of the 12 powers of the heart, where would your heart lead you on your journey of love? Whether you're in a relationship or whether you're single, where would your heart lead you? Because the heart does have wisdom. And, Jeff, I know one of the things that you're very interested in is how we can activate wisdom on the path not just to healing relationships and our love lives, but also for wellness. And when you talk about that, what do you mean? wellness and wisdom how are they connected well i really like where you're going with connecting the head and the heart so i'll just kind of run with that a little bit wisdom to me is a self-awareness and a comfort with yourself so by by bringing those into play there you can move into a, a place of of comfort and and you know being accepting self-acceptance and it's what I call radical acceptance, really, where you're you you may not like everything that you see, but you love it because you know it's 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 you, and you you don't deny things. You just see things as they are in yourself and in others, and really just do your very best. That's kind of one of my premises: is as long as you're honest with yourself and you do your very best, you can relax and feel good about things. Now. When we're doing our best, what part of ourselves do you see as being activated that allows us to do our best? Well, I think it's one of those things that really tough to define, but it's easy to spot. You know, you, you know when you're doing your best, There's, as opposed to doing enough to get by versus doing your best. You know, I have a way of of saying that. Um, I wonder if this will add to what you're saying, because I really keep going back to this business of the heart. And what I say is that sometimes we do half-hearted living. We show up in our relationships in a half-hearted way. We show up in our jobs in a half-hearted way. And if Mm -hmm. we live full out, wholeheartedly, putting our heart in what we're doing, that's where I see a real shift. That's where I see people becoming their most creative, their most proactive, their most engaged selves. 
is when they really put their heart in what they're doing. And, you know, there are simple tools that help people to get to that heart space. One of them is just tap on your heart and say, I'm willing to come from my heart. I'm willing to live with my whole heart. I'm willing to open my heart right now. And that's mm-hmm. usually what allows us to get someplace new because literally when we tap on the heart, we stimulate a little gland that's right under the sternum, right under the breastbone, that starts releasing thymus hormone, and the heart becomes more sensitive as it beats more slowly. So that's, that's one tool I offer. Now, Jeff, one of the things you talk a lot about are personal policies. Define that term. What does that mean? Yeah, so, okay, where do you start with that? Personal policies are nuggets of wisdom. They're really patterns of what has worked well for yourself or for other people. You know, one of my things that I've discovered here is that, you know, every question we're ever going to have in our own life, every challenge, every situation, just about all of them have been solved by somebody else somewhere along the line. So policies are kind of have a t- two two parts to them. One is you're trying to tap the available wisdom that's out there that can apply to your situation, save yourself some time and energy. And it's also about making a promise to yourself, you know, and being honest with yourself and saying, I, I want these things, I need these things, and then you just get busy uh, figuring out how to how to make them happen and make them reality in your life. So policies are just shortcuts. To getting what you want in life. So give an example of a policy or a shortcut. Yeah. There's a really an infinite number, but um, well, one that was affected me per- personally was um, I had a back situation going a couple years ago, and I had a lot of back pain, and I was trying, you know, different different ways to solve that. And then I just did a little bit of reading on the internet and so on and I discovered this, you know, method of activating your core and they said uh putting putting a stand up desk into your office. So I made a policy to do the things that um were 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 prescribed to to solve this problem that I had. And I'll be darned if it didn't take just two or three weeks the back pain was gone and I was feeling a hundred percent. So, you know, the answers are out there. If I went to the doctor he would have given me well he did give me pain pills. Um, those were not were not the right policies for me. So you have to research it and find out what's what's going to work out for you, and and then adapt it to your personal right. life. Right. So this is what so this you is- mean by looking for the solutions that others have found. And God knows, with the internet at our disposal, we can find solutions to just about anything. Now, was there a trial and error, a hit and miss, in you finding that policy that worked for you with your back? That one was pretty direct and pretty straightforward, but you're 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 on the right track there, uh, Dr. Brenda. There's there it is a trial and error. In general, life is trial and error. You know, good experience, experience and responsibility kind of go hand in hand. You you learn as you go. Um, but that's the beauty of policies is if you do like you say the internet or whatever you resources that you maybe have or mentors that you have, if you start looking for solutions to your problems, if you really focus on what it is you're hoping to accomplish, you can find solutions that will save you a lot of that trial and error time. Right. Now, one of the things you also talk about are six steps to leverage luck. What do you mean by 
leveraging luck. And what are the six steps? You guys, you might want to write these down. We all want to leverage luck. Yeah, let's, uh, you caught me a little bit off guard on that one. I'm going to have to just pull up the six steps because uh, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I don't really remember them all off the top of my, my mind here. Um, but the basic idea behind that is that we, we think of luck as something that just happens randomly to people, but it's really a, a, a situation of uh, preparedness beats opportunity. So the six steps um, for leveraging luck is see opportunity everywhere. Um, prime the pump. I love this one because it's just you've got to you put, put, put grist into the mill, put ideas, read magazines, talk to strangers, get lost. You know, prime the pump. Just create opportunities. Uh, the third one is say yes. That, that's a Sir Richard Branson thing. He basically says I had a, t- a lot more fun saying yes than no. <laughs> uh, number four is release attachment. Uh, number five is take a break. You know, that's one of the things we need to learn how to relax just a little bit more. Um, number six, uh, figure out how to clean your lens of perception. This is easier said than done, but it is certainly doable. And um, that's it. There's six steps um, for leverage. Those lever- are lever- all lever- actually very powerful. You know, I was talking with uh, Deborah Zake, who with her husband was the founder of the Rancho La Puerta and the Golden Door Spas, which are still known as the top two spas in the world. And she's 90, oh, God, I think she's 92 years old, 93 years old now, and I did a speaking engagement on the stage with her, and she was falling asleep on the stage. And we're sitting in front of, you know, like 2,000 people, and I'm trying to gently nudge her to stay awake, and people are watching what's happening and kind of giggling. And she woke up and said, I flew on the red eye, got here this morning, did TV interviews, did this and that, and I'm 92 years old. So people started yelling, what's your secret? What's your secret? This was down at um, uh, Spelman College in Atlanta. And she said, every morning I wake up and I stretch out my arms and I say yes to life. Right out loud, I just say yes to life. So Deborah's been doing it for probably a lot longer than Sir Richard, and it works for her. It works for him. So that's powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, back up and tell us a little bit more about how mindfulness can unleash the law of attraction. Well, that's a that's a beautiful thing to 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 understand and feel good about. You know, our entire life experience is processed in the mind. You know, really everything. Mindfulness is the ability to draw on the wisdom and lessons learned, you know, to raise and enhance the life experience. So the law of attraction, uh, it's a tricky little law that is, it's not as simple as people realize, but, you know, it basically says what you think about is what you get. And So what you think so about is what you bring about. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, perfectly. What you think about is what you bring about. So mindfulness is the ability to kind of watch those thoughts. One of the things that's people don't realize is we have about 60,000 thoughts a day. That's an average. And 99% of those are kind of mindless. You're just letting them come and letting them go. So mindfulness, you start to amp up the percentage of thoughts that are, that have some direction, that have some guidance. And it typically takes you down the, the road of you'll attract what it is you think about. Hmm. 
Interesting. So what we want to do is become aware of our thoughts so that we can direct the thoughts toward what we truly want. And exactly. in directing the thoughts, what are some of the other tools that we can use? Now, we're using mindfulness. We're becoming aware of our thoughts. Mindfulness also means coming present. So we're in mm-hmm. this moment because we can't notice our thoughts if we're not present. So what else would you say helps us to get in that place where we can mind the thoughts and then shape them to what we want? Well, that's what my book is all about, really. It breaks that process down step-by-step. It gives you lots of tools along the way. Um, There's actually several of the tools are are for free on the website, the policypillars.com website. We've got things up there on how to meditate and how to uh, build a win list, how to build your rat park, how to rig the game. Now, what's a win list? A win list is basically a list of the things that you expect to see happen in your life. You know? That's really, really interesting. So what we expect to see, we focus on that, and here we go back to that, what you think about, you bring about, by moving our thoughts the direction of what we expect to see. Is that it? Exactly. Now, yeah. Because this is Modern Love Radio, and we only have a couple of minutes left, Jeff. Leave us with how would you use mindfulness to help people to move forward in their love lives? How could this be a benefit? Say uh, we have a person who's single and looking for love. Sure. Well, I think I can speak fairly fairly confidently on that one because I'm in that position myself. So. I think about these things, and I don't, I don't know if there's really, really any one answer, but I would say getting comfortable with yourself, knowing yourself, these are all, all – everything that we're talking about is about being able to look in the mirror and clearly see who you are because then the, the theory is that you can connect with someone that's you know, a real – an honest connection as opposed to you know, trying to fake it until you make it type of a thing. So basically just doing the work, you know, doing whatever the work is to be able to suit up and show up and be yourself. Uh, Meditation has been a real value to me, but there's a lot of tools and exercises that I've created for myself that are um, like the Ulysses contracts and different things that are on the the gratitude garden that are on that, that are part of the book and, and show up on the website are all the types of things that I've used to uh, try and become, become my best my best self and be honest with myself and then go out into the world and let the universe do the rest. You know, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit earlier that you have on your website is the win list. And I highly recommend that tool for people who are single. And one of my special superpowers is getting single people married, happily married. And, One of the ways we get there is what you just said, absolutely. You do the work on yourself. You learn to meditate. You learn to be present. You learn to become self-aware. I could not agree with you more because that's the foundational work. To have a spiritual awakening I find is very, very helpful because it gets you to a place where your energy that you're putting out is so positive, well, that's magnetic. It's attractive. But on the win list, if you write down the kind of 
relationship you want to have. Not what the person looks like, not what you think they should have, but the kind of relationship you want and that you want somebody who wants that kind of relationship. I find that that's one of the most powerful tools to get clear about that. And those who look at my website, you will see a number of people with testimonials up there on how they found their beloved and moved their love lives forward using those tools. So I want to give the name of your book again for those who might have missed it when we started the conversation. The book is called Putting Wisdom to Work, Practical Mindfulness for Maximal Living. And we're talking tonight to Jeff Hodgkiss, and Jeff is a wisdom warrior. So, Jeff, you have so much to share. Thank you for talking about that. Now, leave us with what is your favorite, favorite tool when you are doing this work for yourself, when you're using wisdom. What's your favorite tool? Oh, that's so easy, Dr. Brenda. First, let me say thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, My favorite tool... Yeah, my favorite tool is what I call the easy G, and the G stands for gratitude. And um, it's just so simple. I hope all your listeners just give it a try. I put a clear glass vase somewhere I can see it. It's just on my, my counter here near my front door. And then, you know, as you go through your day, all those little slips of paper that people hand you at the gas pump at the grocery store, uh, you know, the little tickets they give you while you're waiting for your meal, your your, your meal number or whatever – I take a second while I'm waiting and I write down what I'm grateful for on those, wad them up and throw them in that jar when I get home at night. And you Beautiful. would be amazed how you would be amazed how fast it fills up. And then you that get is that great. I love that. that. Gratitude is so powerful. We'll have to leave it there only because we're out of time. But thank you for closing us out with gratitude. What could be more powerful than gratefulness? Everyone, I want to express my gratefulness to our guest, Jeff Hodgkiss, to our executive producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Glyph. Cliff Dunning, and to all of you modern lovers, many, many thanks for being part of our community. Hit me back at love at docway.com. I look forward to seeing you December 9th at our Breakthrough to Your Next Level live one-day training here in our Modern Love Training Center in San Francisco. Until then, keep loving. Blessings. Good night. Good night.